Hey there. Are you looking for an affordable health care option? Are you upset by the health insurance options that you can get under the Affordable Care Act? Well, head over to StacyOnTheRight.com and click the show post. The image is the Alliance for Shared Health. You can click on that or the banner ad, and it'll take you to a page that explains about the Alliance for Shared Health. There's also a link there where the words are highlighted, where you can click, and it will take you over to the page dedicated to you, my listeners, uh, where you can learn how to sign up for the Alliance for Shared Health and join a health share ministry with over 40,000 households participating. As a member, you share in the financial burden of healthcare expenses, including need sharing for critical illness, accidents, dental, and vision. You can access the virtual care provider at zero cost, pick up your prescription from the pharmacy using the share prescription card, and order lab and imaging tests at discounts of up to 80%. Open enrollment is now. Don't miss out on the chance to save 50 to 70% on your monthly premiums while making a difference in the lives of others who share your values. Reach out to Ash today. Head over to StaceyOnTheRight.com, click the banner ad, and sign up now. The Alliance for Shared Health. Changing healthcare, changing lives. Welcome to Stacy on the Right, the podcast. And I am so excited to have with me today a good friend. Um, he's actually close enough to our family to be called a brother, if you will. It's Demetrius Meyer. He is an author, he's a minister. He baptizes people into the faith on the regular. I mean, dunking people under the water violently, persistently. He's also a blogger over at StacyOnTheRight.com. He will even reach out into my SiriusXM show and place guests. He is all over the place doing the most in the most awesome way. Um, He's a blogger over at Family Vision Media. He books guests for me here on the podcast. And he's also got a new book out. It's a poetry book. It's his second book that he's written and I'm so excited to have him here with me today. Demetrius, thanks for coming on. This is always a pleasure. As I was listening to your introduction there, I just realized I'm a part of Team No Sleep. If, I, if I'm doing all those things, I, I have no time to rest. <laughs> yeah, you're a part of Team No Sleep, which I'm also, I, I think I might be on the board of Team No Sleep if there if there is a board, because <laughs> I'm constantly struggling with making sure that I get seven hours of sleep a night. And that is, I think, a part of like the new culture, which the new culture is, you know, never resting, never putting your phone down. And I fight that so often, but I also... I actively engage in it. I I have found myself on the weekends thinking about work and actually trying to do things on the weekend. And then I'll, you know, I have kind of have to smack myself like this is the weekend. I'm supposed to actually not be doing anything having to do with work. And I have to reorient myself like this week. I'm trying a new system for making sure that I have one task that is my most it's the it's not the most difficult, but it's the one that I always find myself thinking oh my gosh, it's 11 p.m. I just finished my serious show and I haven't done this one item, which literally, it's not that hard for me to do, but I always think of it then. And then I'm like, well, I'm tired. I'm going to go to bed and then I have to do it on Saturday or Sunday. So I'm trying a new system this week. Do you think systems really help us to kind of change the way things are working for us, especially for work? (laughs) Uh, Yes and no. Um, I, I have found that if my phone is not near me, uh, I'm going to sleep better. Um, and so um, th- that's something that I have tried um, to, to implement into my life. I'm not always successful with it. But, uh, you know, mind over matter, I, I, I suppose. Um, wh- whatever you put your mind to do, you'll be willing, you, you'll be able to accomplish it. Um, when we're talking about sleep, but 
I, I think that's applicable to our professional life, our spiritual life, our relationships with family and with other people. Um, it's kind of my mindset about it. I think that's a fantastic way to, to kind of segue into um so as a part of your work as a minister, like oftentimes on our staff meetings here at Family Vision, you will pray for us, you know, and kind of pray us out of the meeting. And you do a lot of what I consider to be evangelism, but you're young. You you actually are doing this from the younger subset of Americans right now, where you've just recently been married. You know, I mentioned that you have two books out. So you're busy, but you're also on the younger end where most Americans in your age group are moving away from faith, but you are rooted and grounded and firmly uh, in a solid relationship with Jesus Christ and also using that in your everyday life as opposed to just a Sunday thing or a Sunday Wednesday thing. How, how do you talk to other people about that when you encounter people in your age range, young people who are kind of just getting their footing or they're entering their 30s and they're, 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 they're firmly grounded with work and everything else, but the faith life is where they need a little work? That's a great question, and you're absolutely right. Faith is the cornerstone uh, of, of my life. It's the centerpiece of who I am. Um, and uh, faith... Um, is visual or is visible in every aspect of my life, um, marriage, professionally, spiritually, uh, emotionally. For me, and I'm still trying to figure this out, it's just trying to find the balance with it all. Um, obviously, uh, when you're involved in church ministry, uh, you know, there's certain expectations, there's certain demands, and then there's also um, the truth of putting your marriage first, putting your family first. For so long, I've seen people put ministry above family, and it tears the family apart. And, you know, me and my wife, before we got married, we, we told ourselves, we committed to our, we committed to one another that we wouldn't do, uh, we wouldn't do that. Um, and so it's just a matter of priorities. Um, faith is the most important priority in my life. Uh, and then, uh, you know, these, these days, you have to force yourself to, to, to multitask. Uh, these days, um, you have to force yourself um, to not just be uh, singularly focused on one, one vocation, but to do multiple things at, at one time. So we're, we're, we're kind of forced to juggle a lot of responsibilities. And um, that's, that's what I try to do. Um, I'm still learning to be consistent. I'm still learning to make adjustments um, as they come. Uh, but for now, while, while I still have some youth left, um, I, I want to make sure that I'm exerting energy in the right places. And, and Stacy, I really do think about this a lot. I really do. Um, I've been married since uh, October of 2019. Um, you know, obviously the wife and I have had talks about um, extending our family. And when that time comes, then, you know, I have to think about the the tension, the energy, and the focus that's needed, not just to a wife, but now to to a child. And um, as you get older, um, you know, I, I don't have the energy that I had when I was 20 years old. So you have to balance yourself. You have to know your limitations. And uh, it's a sobering thought. 
Um, well, just wait until you get uh, 10 years on from that. You think you don't have the energy you had when you were in your 20s. You're only in your 30s. Wait till you get past that. You, you'll realize that in some ways the energy goes down, but in other ways it goes up because it's much more of a mental effort than it is a physical effort. Right. Um, but it, it's, you're, the point you're making is a, is, is a value because um, I think if we don't have our priorities straight, and it's so easy to say, oh, just get your priorities straight. But it's one of those cliches that is so meaningful that people gloss over it. But the fact is, when your priorities are straight, your life runs more smoothly. And even when it's not running smoothly, you you kind of have a grip on the fact that it this is gonna like this is gonna pass, and I'm gonna get back to a place where it's not so bumpy. Um, so so let's let's move into. I mean, obviously, you and I talk politics all the time. We share memes. We're constantly going back and forth. You know, laughing at what's happening. But a positive yeah, outlook yeah. is so important. And so I recently on the Sirius show, I had a group of callers. They called all within the same hour. They all had the same point, which is that America is, you know, basically burned to the ground and over. And in less than 30 years, maybe five years, we'll be a communist nation. And what will people like me who are so optimistic, what will we feel? What will we think? What will we do? Um, when America is steeped in communism and I spent my time being optimistic. Well, my first question is always, well, what are you doing to stop the oncoming communism? I mean, besides calling the show and complaining to me like I'm your mom. And people get really upset with me when I push back because I refuse to be negative about the outlook of America because America is not the end of the road for me. I'm an American. I love this country. I'm very patriotic, but I'm a Christian and I know where my eternal rest is. So, you know, I don't want to see anything happen to America. But if that's what happens, nothing changes for me. I'm still going to the same place I was going to when I could fly a flag here and pray openly and be who I am today. So I won't regret anything because God gave me this life to live, not to worry. He didn't give me this life so I could spend it worrying and frittering it away. So what what do you say to people when you encounter people who are really negative, especially after the election and then um, Georgia and then January 6th? People are very, very still tense and upset. What do you say? Well, like you, Stacey, uh, I put my faith and my trust in Jesus Christ and not man. And when you do that, there is a freedom. There is a liberty. Scripture tells us that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So that's why it's important to to have God's presence in your home, um, in your vehicle, that wherever you go, the presence of the Lord will be with you. Because if that happens, you're not going to succumb to the fear and to the anxiety um, that the world um, is experiencing. So that's my that's my thought first and foremost as a Christian. Um, but, but like you said, as an American, uh, I, I never give up on America. Uh, I believe America is the greatest nation that God has ever created. I believe that I believe in the promise of America. I believe in the virtues of America. Uh, I, I'm. I'm 35 years old. I, I've experienced 9/11 um, with, with the rest of the country. I've experienced two wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. The economic collapse of 2008. Um, for, for Christians, um, many will consider the Obama era to be tumultuous and uh, not as friendly to to, the, to those of us who experience who care about religious freedom and guess what i'm still here i didn't i didn't pack my bags and move to canada move to a third world country and and so i would never stop believing in america and so even though the political climate is um 
um, divisive. Um, the rhetoric is divisive. Uh, I'm very concerned about some of the, the policies and legislations that are trying to be crafted um, economically, uh, internationally. I'm concerned about religious freedoms and the future of that. But at the same time, I, I don't go to bed in fear. I don't wake up in fear because um, Jesus Christ is the ultimate source of joy, peace, and contentment. And so I, I do believe that America's greatest days is still ahead. I really do. I believe that the spirit of America um, transcends political ideology, whether you're Democrat, Republican, conservative, liberal, whatever um, political label you want to attach to yourself. I believe that ultimately the spirit of America is greater than that which tries to separate us. And I tell people, if we can focus on our commonalities and our similarities more than we focus on what makes us different, um, I do believe that uh, we'll, we'll be a better nation. I really do. So what about the optimism? Because uh, I'm, I'm looking to go a little deeper on that with you because, you know, you right. can, as opposed to another yeah. guest that I might have who's talking about another topic. And specifically, I'm talking about the, the hopeful optimism that you just mentioned. You talked about America. You eloquently described, you know, what America is. And, and you know, it's a nation gifted to earth by God. It's, it's an amazing right. experiment that has gone so well considering the start of it. And, because you know, whenever humans are involved, it's going to be rocky. There are going to be issues. Whenever humans are present, there are going to be problems. So when people are expecting this Pollyanna, rose-colored, you know, no, nothing's going to go wrong, everything's going to be perfect, I kind of wonder, well, who's who's in this thing with you? Robots? Or, you know, what, what are you doing this with? Because if you're doing it with humans, things are going to be, you know, emotions are going to get involved. People are going to make mistakes. But we can still get stuff done. In fact, we... It, obviously we get stuff done because humans are involved in everything we're talking about and humans have those things happening to them all the time. And yet we still are able to accomplish amazing feats of bravery and, uh, you know, fantastic uh, creativity and humans are present the whole time. So uh, what, what do you say when, uh, cause I, I had a couple of people who literally, they were so angry with me. They called back, complained to, to the producer who streams the calls, then took the time to go to my contact form on my website, email me about, you know, why is she so mad that we're just accurately assessing the doom of America, the gloom of America? Why is she getting mad about that? And I was getting angry because to me, I feel like the, I know it's true. It's not a feeling I have. I know it's true. If I come to you, Demetrius, and I say to you, Every time I talk to you on the phone, something negative, if I point out something horrible about you or about work or about, you know, America, that seeps into you. It's like lotion that gets rubbed into the skin. It goes in and it becomes a part of you. It becomes incorporated into who you are unless you rebuff it. And so when you have an audience of any size and a person calls in or is a guest or even if it's me and they convey a negative outlook, that goes into those people unless they say, I don't receive that. I'm not taking that. So... It is important not to let people do that. What do you say to people who are asking why you're so optimistic? You know, obviously you're a Christian, but so what? Because there's plenty of negative Christians. Sure. So I'm optimistic uh, for a couple of reasons, because I look at the history of the country, and, and I just make it relative to my existence. We always bounce back. Um, when you look at, let's just take 9-11, Stacey. Uh, a monumental event, and not just American history, but in world history. We're talking about the greatest 
um, terrorist attack on our soil. We bounced back. Initially, there was great fear, there was great worry, and there was great anxiety, and our economy took a hit. But eventually, people people um, start getting jobs. The, con- the, 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 the economy began to soar. Um, we started to believe in ourselves again. So I, I look at events and I look at the, the economic depression of 2008. The hit was catastrophic. But again, it's the resiliency of the American spirit that says, I'm not going to stay down. We're going to build ourselves back up. I, 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 look, at, I look at today and um, as we're trying to navigate through, through COVID, through this pandemic, through political uncertainty. But, but, but there, are, there are Americans who are fighting for their families and they're fighting for freedom. How? Well, I live in Florida, one of the freest states in the nation. There's an influx of people moving here. Why? Because of the economy here. Because they feel like there's not as uh, many burdens and limitations here. So people want to be in an environment where they can thrive and where they can succeed. The same is happening in the state of Texas. That, that gives me optimism. I, I saw a, a video of, um, of a woman in Georgia, um, she, and she was at a local school board meeting, and she was fighting for kids and the ridiculousness of mask mandates and what it does to their mental health how it limits their social interaction. And I said, there's a woman who's not afraid to fight back. And there's other people who's not going to be afraid to fight back for their children and for their families. Things like that gives me reason to put hope in America, even if temporarily it may, it may go contrary um, to what I believe in, if that answers your question. It does. It does. And so there's, but there's, there's more to that. See, underneath what you just shared is there are activities that you're taking on the regular. And I know I've, I've had people say um, directly to me, or they've said it to someone that they know would, you know, relay it to me um, that I, you know, it's, it's almost as if I'm, uh, what's the term they use? It's, it's, um, you know, sharing scripture or, putting a biblical perspective on things or having that perspective. Some people feel it's heavy handed or that you're kind of preaching. I think that's what the term that was used not to get preachy or anything, you know, in in other words, like Stacy, you know, she's always getting so preachy and I don't really feel like it's preachy. It just is a biblical perspective that there is an answer for every problem that we have. And it's found in the scripture, but you don't know that if you never crack your Bible open and you know, we had Phil cook on the serious show. We had him on here on the podcast and he quoted some stats um, you know, most Christians don't read their Bible, but once a month, if at all, most Christians only go to church, you know, between eight and some odd times a year. So, they, you know, basically once a month or so, maybe twice a month on good months, um, regular church attendance is not the norm for most Christians. And by regular, I mean every Sunday, unless you're sick, because, you know, that that's that's one of the things you have to actually commit to you. Because I feel like in, in a lot of ways as human beings, because we have a sin filled nature, it is hard for us to commit to God in a way that is meaningful to him. And so there's a few things we can try to do because we're going to make mistakes. But 
just going to church every Sunday seems like something small to me because, you know, we go to church where it's over in less than two hours. It's not like when I was a kid or we'd be sitting there and the pastor would get his second wind and we would have already been there for three hours. I'm like, wow, this man, I'm hungry. You know, we, we don't have church like that anymore, not in America. So um, what do you say are the underpinnings of your surety? You are sure, you are certain that God is in control and that he is going to take care of us no matter what, no matter what things look like. And that comes from your regular practice of what? So, Stacey, I want to say this, and from brother to sister, because that's the type of relationship that you and I have, (laughs) and it amuses me when people say, well, you know, don't sound preachy. Now, Mm -hmm. it's funny, because (laughs) I am am a preacher, but make... make But I'm not, so it's not a good thing for me. (laughs) But but, but here's the the thing, When, when your identity is in Jesus Christ, it overflows. It's hard to contain yourself when you have a walk with the Lord. With the Lord, you have you have the joy with the Lord. You know, I, I go to church faithfully every time the door is open, and not just that, Stacy. I'm looking forward to the next service. When service ends on Sunday, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to Wednesday. That's our midweek Bible study. That's you have that's said that before. Well, that's when we're going to come together, come together yep. again as a corporate body. When we're when we're done with this interview, I'm actually going to um, go up um, to the church and help a friend of mine on on some projects because I get joy, I get fulfillment out of that. But when you talk about the number, about how many people, how many Christians, self-proclaimed Christians, open their Bible um, outside of being gathered together as a corporate body on Sunday. Uh, and I like technology just like the average person, and um, I, I use the Bible app on my iPhone, and a lot of times I like to listen to it. But, you know, this morning, I I, I did listen to um, my Bible reading plan, but I said, you know what, I want to get back to the old-fashioned way. I, I have several Bibles, and I picked up one of my study Bibles, and I just start reading Psalms, and I start reading Proverbs, and I forgot what it was like before we had iPhones, before we had technology, or the advancement of technology. I forgot what it was like to hold a Bible in your hand and to actually read the Word of God. And I say that is that there, there can be a danger in just being totally reliant on technology or this ever-evolving digital age, that we forget our roots, we forget our foundation. And the same thing applies to our nation. It it can be very easy, because the news cycle is 24 hours, it's so constant. It can be so easy to get caught up in the, the fear and the negativity that the news media spins out or spews out on a consistent basis, that we forget the bedrock of our freedoms, that we forget the foundation of this country. And we, 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 cannot, we, we cannot forget about that. Like, no matter how bleak the outcome may look, there is still hope. One of the things that I think about now, and I think about the policies that are, that are coming forth, and I'm like, I, I don't like it, and I, and, I, and I do have concerns about it. And then I look at the Supreme Court. I said, well, as a conservative, 
thank goodness for an institution that could possibly be a check and balance on a legislation system that will could attempt to be too progressive. They may try to harm our religious freedoms and our constitutional rights. But there's always a silver line. I'm always looking for a silver line. And um, I tell people, if, if, if you don't like the current administration, I got good news for you. You can vote them out in a couple of years. You don't even have to wait for 2024. You've got midterm elections coming up. There, there, there's, there's many ways for you to get involved and for you to change the narrative of how the country's going. So that's, that's why I hope. So I'm, I'm going to join in with you on the, the beauty of reading from the, the Bible and, you know, an actual Bible and encouraging people to go find a Bible that they like. In other words, you know, a Bible in the size that you like, the, you know, the, the cover that you like, whether it's paperback or hardback or a leather bound Bible. There's so many options out there. there. There are even Bibles that it's a much bigger looking Bible because it has notes pages in it and spaces in the margins for you to kind of write your thoughts. And, you know, maybe even it feels a little bit like journaling almost. Um, I, I want to make that something that people will remember to try to do because it is so it's just so it's so great to have a Bible that you like. But on the converse, I, I want to say, you know, if you're if you're in a position where you you don't have time to pick up a paper Bible, what you were describing listening on uh, you know, you version or there's there's also a Bible app you can download, which is also you version, but it's called the Bible app, and you can actually have it read to you in a British sounding voice, an Australian voice, a man, a woman. I mean, it's pretty cool. They have different versions that you can have read to you, and you can get through so much more of the Bible when you're listening to it because you know it, it is a little bit easier to listen than it is to read yourself. I just encourage people to take whatever they can to, instead of saying, "Well, I don't have time to go." you know, shop for a Bible. So this weekend I'll go take a look. No, just download the Bible app and listen in the car or when you're doing something today, take some time to listen and start doing it as frequently as possible. Maybe this week it's only twice that you remember. Then the next week, maybe it's four or five times, but keep going. If you, if you miss three or four days in a row, don't give up. Don't feel any condemnation. Just say, oh, wow, I, I'm going to I'm going to try again. If you fall asleep reading the Bible, do you ever get mad at a baby for falling asleep while you're talking to them or reading to them or, you know, feeding them or doing anything with them? We are God's children. If we fall asleep while we're reading the Bible, we were reading the Bible when we fell asleep. No big deal. Just go at it the next day. Don't give up. I, I want people to feel like there's no good reason not to do it because the benefits are so great to Bible reading. I, I know I know people who read the Bible I can tell because they have a smooth spirit underneath. It's not on the surface. It's underneath. It's kind right. of a, a resoluteness to their personage that is just you. you can, it's almost like somebody who's wearing a, a ring that's a club membership or something. And as soon as you see the, the ring, you're like, oh, I know that, you know, they're in the same club. You can tell. So, you know, and for some people, it's the difference between them being a total hellion and them being a nice person that you can deal with on a regular basis. It matters if we read our Bible and if we go to church and, of course, the tithing, which I'm not even going to delve into, but it is important. Um, all, those are all things that show we're being obedient to God. And it helps us because when we pray to him, we're we're plugged in. We're plugged into the power source. He's going to answer our prayers, the ones we pray that are in his will. 
but it, it helps if you're actually participating in a relationship. You know what I mean? You mentioned being married. What would happen if you only saw Raisa on Mondays and Wednesdays? <laughs> if you never talked to her any other days except Sundays and, you know, Sundays and Thursdays, if those were your two days, I don't see your relationship lasting, Demetrius. I don't, I don't think it would. It would Mine wouldn't. You know, it's, it's funny you said that. Uh, I went out of town to see my family about a week ago, and it was the first time I had traveled um, since um, we were married. And, uh, you know, it's funny. My wife and I, we, we had very different personalities. We're, we're, we're complete opposite. And before, before I left, she was talking about, oh, my goodness, I can eat dinner whenever I want to. I can just lay out on the couch and I can watch whatever I want to. And that Sunday night when I was gone, I was talking to her, um, before I was about to go to bed, she was like, I really miss you, and I can't <laughs> wait for you to be home. And it, it really meant a lot to me, um, you, you know, because we laugh and we joke all the time, but, yeah, you know, being absent from your spouse is going to cause you to to miss them. And, and I didn't like being away from my wife, even if it was just the weekend. Um, but, but, you're, but you're right, you know, and that's because I have that relationship with her. And, and from a biblical point, you know, a lot of days go by and we haven't talked to our creator. Uh, we haven't spent any time. You know, he, he misses us. And, you know, he starts to nudge us and say, hey, Stacy, I haven't heard from you. Demetrius, yeah. what, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? And there's biblical proof of that, you know, when, when God was looking for Adam. Adam, <laughs> where are you? Um, and so, yes. Because that's why relationships uh, are are so important. And, um, yeah, just affirming what you said. Well, so I, I, I don't want to have um, our chat here without delving into one of your favorite pastimes. So I want to ask how baseball season is cracking up, or I, I should say spring training. Um, how, how are things going with the team and everything having to do with baseball? Well, well, well the season has actually started. And, it's weird. Um, you know, a lot of the stadiums are um, 50% capacity. And baseball has, I- I've witnessed it. it. It's lost this aura that it used to have when I was a kid. I remember uh, baseball when I was a kid. And it seems like football uh, and maybe basketball are the most dominant sports. But I, I-, I still love the game. Um, I love what it represents. Um, for me, baseball is a good escape from the realities of, of life. I, I just really enjoy the sport. I, I was disheartened to see that they moved the All-Star game from, from Atlanta, Georgia, Georgia being my hometown, but just seeing Major League Baseball succumb to um, to politics, which people are trying to find an escape from. And it, and it really damaged MLB's brand. And um, I, I was afraid that they would take a, a really big hit um, because I love the game so much. And I, I hate that sports has become so intoxicated uh, with, with, with politics. I don't have a problem with athletes taking a stand on issues. We Muhammad Ali did it. Jackie Robinson did it. Uh, I don't. I don't think that athletes should be one-dimensional. 
But I do hate to see corporations um, take a stance on political issues when that's when that's not their purpose and th- that shouldn't be their goal. But but nonetheless, I I do enjoy watching the games a lot. I really do. Well, um, I appreciate that perspective because, as you know, I really paced a little attention to it. I had no idea we were already in the season. Although I did think while you were talking <laughs> that one of my girlfriends, she and her husband went with another couple to a game, and that was like three weeks ago. She said, oh, we're going to see the Cardinals play. I forget who was in town, but they went to – so I, I guess I was tangentially aware that the season had begun. Um, so so let's uh, – as we're closing out here, let's talk just a tad about um, the political situation going on right now. And you and I don't agree on everything political. Politically, um, you're on the right, right, so am I. But you know, there's a spectrum of where people fall on different issues, and I'm over, you know, sure. right, right in the zone of almost a till of the hun, and you're a little bit more moderate than I am. Like you are, <laughs> you know. And so anyway, I, I I look at what's going on in Washington D.C. and it, it is it is pretty pretty bad. The southern border, the the um, we we had. Reverend Donnie Copeland on, and he talked so eloquently about how to serve people while still believing in the rule of law with, you know, with immigration. Um, so it, is there any issue that you feel like if you would say to people, if someone said, what should I be working on if I have free time or if I want to um, work on an issue and participate in the civics here in this country and in the governing of this country, what what one issue would you say you should maybe think about focusing on? And that could be at their state legislature or locally in their right. town, or it could be them, you know, focusing on federal politics in Washington, D.C. What issue would it be? I believe it was, I believe it was, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was Tip O'Neill who famously said that um, all politics is local. And I do believe that to be true. Uh, one of the issues that, uh, really is passionate to my heart is school choice. And I know that's something that's very near and dear to you, Stacey, that you've been involved in for quite some time. Um, while a, child, a child's education and a child's academic future should not be confined to the zip code that they reside in. And uh, former Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice, one of my political heroes, um, said that, I never forget, she said it during the 2012 Republican National Convention, school choice is the civil rights issue of our time. And I believe it's so, especially uh, for children um, who are in uh, minority um, communities. Um, Criminal justice reform is also something that I'm very passionate about. And we've made some inroads in the last couple of years on that, Um, not just on a federal level, but also on on a state level um, here in Florida. Uh, as a Christian, as a minister, um, free speech is essential because we have seen a vicious attack from the left on free speech, an assault on free speech, um, simply because they don't like our thoughts, they don't like our ideas, and instead of trying to approach it with better ideas or with better speech, there's an attempt to silence those um, who disagree with you, um, which is also linked into this cancel culture movement. I'm very passionate about those uh, because uh, it's anti-biblical. Um, it is anti-Christ. Um, it, when you look at Jesus, he didn't try to cancel people out. He tried to transform them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that's what we as Christians, that's what we need to do 
and we need to fight against this cancel culture movement. I, I, I'm glad someone didn't cancel me when I was in my young 20s um, and I said and did stupid stuff um, because we're all growing. We're all learning. And I don't want to be canceled out because I made a mistake. But I want someone to show grace and I want someone to show mercy towards me. Those are some of the issues that I'm very passionate about. And some those are some issues that I think people um, need to be concerned about. I mean, and, and just like you, you know, I'm, I, I'm concerned about the economy. Um, I'm concerned about national security and our foreign policy. The United States must remain a staunch ally and supporter of Israel that goes without saying um, immigration um, for border security. I don't know what the answer is. It's more complex um, than, than a lot of people think. I tend to kind of lean more on the compassionate side, but I'm not ashamed to say I don't know what the solution is. So we'll say this is that I think all of us need to be mindful of our of our rhetoric and what we're saying because people are watching our posts, they watch what they say, and these people do go to our churches, they go to our schools, they live in our neighborhoods. Um, so I, I think it's possible to hold to have multiple issues near and dear to your heart. Um, so that, that's that's what I believe in. So I, I think that was fantastic, especially the school choice, because how do we change the minds, the hearts and minds of generations of, of kids, starting with this one? Um, it, they spend the most of their time in school. And so teaching them biblical values and how to think, how to analyze, how to really just process information. The left has successfully dumbed down our educational system so that kids can't do that anymore. So anything that helps them to actually get a grip on being able to think and wisely discern information is the key. And and also, um, you named off all of the, the standard issues, which I really feel like people should be well-versed on. And it's really about choosing something you're passionate about, which I feel like you've done and you know I've, I've tried to do the entire time I've been doing this. And so many others have done and, and really put out a good example for it as well. Um, so Demetrius, I would say... Oh, thank you so much for coming on the show, and I hope to talk to you again soon. But I know we'll be texting in about an hour about other other matters. So um, I do want to say thanks for coming on, spending time with us here on the podcast, um, and for all the work that you do on all the different organizations, and especially the youth ministry, pastoring, and um, baptizing people and evangelizing them into the faith. I really believe you're building an eternal reward, which is so important. And it's very inspirational for everyone who gets to see you doing that. Don't ever change, bro. It's the only thing, it's the only thing that matters, sis, because like That's you said, right. it has eternal ramifications. And I get more fulfillment out of that than anything political, anything sports related. It fires me up. I, I, I really love it. I love it. It never gets old. Never. Well, you hopefully, you, if you're listening, you've been bitten by the bug and you will join Demetrius in this most beautiful work. And hopefully you'll join me in being a member of the Alliance for Shared Health. Listen, we'll be back with more soon. Find out more about me and what we do at Family Vision Media by going to familyvisionmedia.org and stacyotherright.com. God bless. <laughs>